for uh, joining me today and uh, congratulations on coach of the year. That's, that's amazing. How does that feel? Uh, it was great. It was uh, obviously there's lots of hours and hard work that are put in. And uh, you know, that's one of those uh, awards that, uh, you know, it really is, of, of course, you know, I got to see my name and, uh, but it really was, and is a team effort. Um, I have an unbelievable staff, you know, starting from our general manager, you know, president, general manager to, to my, uh, assistant coaches, to our support staff that's around us. So it really is rewarding to, to be recognized by your peers, um, uh, for what you did. And um, like I said, that's one of those awards that's, you know, it's, it's not based on your record or anything like that. It's, it's really our, you know, we all get a vote and um, all the coaches or GMs in the league put their votes in. So it was uh, quite an honor to be recognized uh, by, by people that I'm going against every day for the hard work we do. Well, I've obviously been along with you for a, a very, very many years and uh, you know, you've helped educate me. Uh, you're an inspiration to me, uh, when we're when my son came to play for you at Honey Baked, uh, that's when video was just kind of starting to get into the fold a little bit, and I uh, I did your video for you, and and also I helped train a little bit with the shooting and video in the shooting areas that uh, uh, when that training was going on, and uh, it really got me excited about the sport and and the coaching and everything else. I know I did it a little before uh, we got together, but. Uh, you know, watching you and how you operated and how serious you took it, it kind of made me uh, feel the same uh, importance on how I brought myself to every game and every practice and how I handled parents and, and, and tried to educate people. So anyway, I want to thank you for that. That was, yeah, uh, well, and like I said, that's definitely something I think uh, where our minds are, are aligned there. Uh, we are always thinking outside the box and, and just looking for, um, ways to do things differently because um, that's you know the the role a lot of people fall into is just trying to think everyone has the the same path and and um, you know like I said I think uh, we always surrounded ourselves with people that were better than us and we always challenged ourselves to think outside the box and, and and figure out how how do you you know how do you get more out of that shot right instead of just um, so we we played around with video we played around with instructors we'd bring you know many many people in to to learn as much as we can from them so um, that's you know that's kind of been my journey and my path is is to um, constantly um, change with the times and evolve and, and, and grow with the game. And um, it's amazing how far we've come. Um, you know, like you said, we were playing around with video it would have been about 22 years ago now. And um, so now you look at what it's become and, and how far things uh, have, have evolved. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, that year that he did come to play with you, even though I did a lot of camps and I was very serious and pretty decent at teaching skills and that, but uh the year he came and played for you when you had, uh, you know, the Sean Skinners and Kim Muir's and, you know, he had a great uh, education, you know, as far as skills and the development and even guest speakers that came in and talked. Uh, I know had uh, Kevin Porter. Was it Kevin Porter that came in and, and talked? I think it, at the time he was just get, I don't know if he won the Hobie Baker yet, but I think or I think he won the Hobie Baker at some point. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh you know, you given that education and, and uh, you know, this, the, how serious it was to take the game and, and just to be accountable. That's the one thing that uh, really sticks with me. So, 
Yeah, no, like I said, it was, and it's something we still do to this day where um, anytime I have um, guys in the area or even, you know, a lot of time we'll get alumni that pops in to watch a game. Um, I, I love having them address the team and talking about their experience and, and, and talk about, you know, their journey because there's something to learn from everybody. And, and uh, so again, like you said, at back when, you know, we brought in instructors. I, I, I still continue to do that to, to today. Um, I'm a big, big believer in constantly uh, evolving and learning. And, and um, there's no better way to do it than to bring in the best instructors. And, you know, I've always had that argument with families that are sending their kids to, to hockey schools for the week. And, and, you know, they're always expecting some big return from a week hockey school. And um, at the end of the day, if they could do it over, I would tell everybody to, you know, spend, send their coach to the hockey school so their coach can use those <laughs> skills and, and implement them throughout a season. And then that way your son really gets the reward of it. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, some just send them as a babysitter too, right? They just send yeah. them to those schools and let them skate. And it's really not, uh, any value add to me, some of them, but uh, uh, anyway, very good stuff. So um, what about you and, and your journey uh, to getting you to your coaching and into being so structured on, on what you do? How did uh, uh, you grow up in, was it Redford? I grew up, uh, actually, I was a Don River boy. I uh, grew up in River Rouge, home of uh, the Little Caesars and what everyone remembers, oh. uh, the stained glass window there, you know. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in River Rouge and um, I, you know, played a little bit of uh, youth hockey there in River Rouge and, and then um, um, was able to, to hook on with uh, AAA teams and started with Little Caesars for a while and then uh, went over to GPD. Uh, for for a few years and and then um, um, so like I said for me it was I was that rink rat that um, I was down watching you know Little Caesars practice all the time um, Chris Corey was was the guy to me that you know I watched all of his practices and um, just watched you know his guys because you know he treated them like pros they were out there back in those days with half shields on and or even no cage on at some points and um, you know I just thought that was amazing to watch guys uh, so I you know I always had a dream and a passion of, of being out on that ice someday and um, so that was kind of where my triple a start um, got going and then like I said just you know, bounced uh, GPD, then back to Little Caesars for a bit, and and then um, played junior hockey. Um, obviously local. Um, played for uh, Lakeland Jets to start off with with Tim Opie, and then um, uh, my third year juniors was traded to the Detroit Freeze, which was Junior Red Wings, and uh, then they flopped the name. Did that and. Um, had some really nice teams. Had a lot of success in the North American Hockey League, and um, back in those days, that was when the uh, North American League actually competed with the USHL for national championships. So, got to take part in two of those, and then uh, went on to college uh, to Mankato State, which is now Minnesota State. And uh, my career there was was short lived. Um, I actually had really good success uh, my freshman year of college on the ice, and um, then uh, life came calling and uh, had a son um, a little earlier than I expected and had to get home and get a job. And uh, right away, kind of went into the, as soon as I came home, um, a good friend of mine talked me into to helping him out with the River Rouge High School team, which I think they were only around for about five years or so. Oh, wow. And um, did that. And then about halfway through the year, he talked me into helping his uh, middle son 
um, his team, uh, which was Little Caesars, and that so helped Marty Quarters with the 1982 birth years. Uh, that was my first coaching gig, and uh, did that for a year. And right away, um, Chris Corey, who was running Little Caesars, put me uh, gave me a team the 85 birth years, and uh, so that was my first uh, head coaching gig. And, and like I said, I was really young and kind of learning on the job. It was. Uh, something I probably wasn't ready for. And, you know, it's, you know, I kind of look back on it and, and no, I, I still worked hard, but, you know, also recognize how immature and, and not ready I was. And, and uh, but again, it was growing pains and, and people believed in me and trusted me. And I, I think I evolved into a much better coach than what I started with in those days. Wow. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, do you notice that, Nowadays, there's there's so many more younger coaches uh, as opposed to back. At least in my day, it wasn't like that. And uh, you were very young to start coaching. Um, I was actually <laughs> to give give away my age. I played on Little Caesars back in the day when we were blue and white. So, All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I pl- I played against Wayne Gretzky back back in the you know seventies. But uh, that's how old I am. But uh, uh, Billy Cirillos and the Chris Corys and uh, Jeff Jacksons and all of them, we skated uh, over Gross Point. So. I'm more of the old school. And back then, you know, a lot of the coaches were, you know, older, uh, somewhat older. But uh, I'm really excited to see these young coaches, uh, like I said, very young. I think it's unbelievable to um, to have these guys fresh out of the game um, to where they're able to demonstrate the drills. They're able to, you know, really jump in the drills and you can see things firsthand. Um, so there's there's definitely a level there. Um, that is, you know, I mean, kids can do stuff these days that we can't even demonstrate. Um, you know, the, their skill levels have, have come so far. You know, the, the science that we're now using for, for hockey um, is strong and as fast and as skilled these guys, these guys are. I mean, everyone's committing. Um, it's no longer that, that game where, you know, you, you skate on Monday and Wednesday nights and then the weekends uh, games. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, these guys are uh, on the ice twice a day. Um, Monday through Friday, and they're playing games on the weekends, and um, it's truly evolved and, and taken a path that, you know, I question sometimes how healthy it is. But um, uh, back to the coaching, uh, like I said, I think it's great that these young guys are coming back and, and being part of it. The downside to it is, I can tell you that um, after I after my son went through it, and I'm sure you can say the same for yourself. I was a different person, a different coach. Um, you, you, I think in age or after you go through it with a kid, um, you understand how, how important words are. And I know when I was young, um, I would let things fly sometimes. And um, I didn't realize the impact uh, that it could have on, on a young hockey player. And I, that's my concern with the young guys that are in it now is, you know, they don't have children yet, um, but again, they played. So you know, hopefully they can not forget um, the impact uh, a coach had on them uh, by how he handled situations and they implement that because that was something that I can tell you that I personally wasn't ready for. And um, that's the area I've probably grown most um, is, you know, again, just being through it with a son, being through it um, and learning from my mistakes um, and how I I deal with players and how I deal with situations. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the one thing and and we'll get into the subject, but, as far as how you handled parents and kids and your thoughts, even back when, you know, when my son was on your team, 
you had a specific way that you thought was important and you kind of stuck to that, you know, you didn't, uh, you didn't lean towards, you know, you didn't let parents kind of, uh, you and, you know, again, you had that, that mindset on what you wanted to get accomplished. And I think it has a lot to do with why you are where you're at right now. Yeah. Um, I'm um, a huge, huge believer in a clear path and being honest with people. So, um, you know, you obviously had to sit in on my meetings numerous times and um, trust me, the meetings are way too long, but uh, I try to, I cover everything and I hand it out to everybody in a handbook. So it's black and white. Um, so when they call me, I can say, Hey, go to page six. Or um, if I fall away from what I'm supposed to be doing, they can call me and say, Hey, um, this is what you said was going to happen. And we don't feel that this is. And um, So again, it holds everybody accountable. And um, you know, I'm one of those guys that uh, you know, my guys will tell you to, to, to this day, um, you're going to come into coach's office and ask him a question uh, you better be prepared for for the truth and, and the answer that I feel is uh, or how I see it so um, you know a lot of people want to walk in and hear fluff and how good things are and this and this and I don't waste time I, I'm very honest with people and get right to the point so there's no gray areas so um, it's something that has benefited me and it's something that I tell um, guys that are just getting in the game every day. If, if there was one of those things, you know, what are, what are the most important things? And, and number one is being honest and, and upfront with people because um, you know, you can, you can skirt around it and tell people what they want to hear, but you know, come Christmas, come January, when you told that guy who was going to be on a power player or anything like that, and it's not happening, um, you know, you have to face the truth at some point. So it's better off to start off from that, and um, it's something that has been, uh, um, you know, it's worked very, very well for me. And, and again, just being um, being in front of things, um, you know, being very overly organized. Um, so everyone knows exactly where they're going at what time. And it just eliminates that guy who's late or eliminates that guy that says, well, I didn't know we were doing this. And well, obviously you didn't read your handout. Right. So, um, again, I, I think I'm overly OCD. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, one of those that it's a fault at times too, but, uh, at the end of it, uh, that's something that I still do to this day. Um, is we have lots of meetings and everybody is overly prepared for our games and, and uh, for any situation that uh, comes up. Well, that's, that's funny. And you're right. You, I, I remember them well when you would print those out and we'd all get them. And the funniest thing, and I don't know that you know this, but when we would read who we play, game one, game two, game three, even if we could get disqualified in game four, you never – you never put if or to to be determined. You always said you will wear these clothes on this day, and you will. This is who you know. We're ready, and you went right through the final. It was like you never gave that opening that you could possibly lose. So that, that was that was funny, and I, I I enjoyed looking at that every time. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely that that gutsy move. But you know, I believe in um, uh, leaving no doubt, and so there's many of. $1,000 um, dinner reservations and um, meals that I have pre-ordered for us to be in a final that uh, didn't take place. And, um, you know, again, this, this year will be another great example. You know, I planned for us to be in the Clark Cup and we were canceling uh, hotels um, after we were knocked out. And some people uh -huh. look at it and roll their eyes, but that's just how I, how I plan things. And I expect to be there and, and um, plan for it. So, 
Well, that's uh, that's great, and, and and obviously that's what drives you to get where you're at right now. So that's uh, that's really good stuff. So, you know, I, I have a lot of questions, obviously, regarding uh, you know the journey and the education to parents and what that path is in regards to, uh, you know, how how to how to educate uh, families on you know where their kid is. I mean, obviously, you're one of the honest people that kind of help with what you think. And I don't think that you would just tell someone something uh, just to pacify him. So if, if, if a family, you know, or if a parent comes up to you and asks, you know, where do you, what's the next move? I mean, what, what do you think is the best path? Uh, you know, and what age do, you know, do you think that kids should start uh, focusing on, you know, whether they have that intangible or what it is? I mean, what, what is it that, you know, helps you uh, to be able to tell and educate these parents, uh, what, you know, what age and, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of it just comes with self-reflection. Um, you've got to be honest with yourselves and, and you have to look at the situations you're in. Um, so, I mean, first, let's just say, you know, if you come to me and talk to me about your son that's going to want to play, you know, junior hockey um, and he's a peewee, right, um, and he's playing a house program or playing a local travel program, um, the easiest thing to start off with is, is what he's doing per game, you know. So if all of a sudden that kid, if your your son is scoring, you know, three, four goals a game and he's not being challenged, then it's a simple concept. you got to move up to the next challenge um, because you have the people that are the other way too. You have some people that are playing, oh, my son's playing one year up or two years up. And that doesn't impress me uh, because just in, not just in hockey, but in life and in everything you do, confidence is everything. So you have those people that are, Really, yes, you're challenging your son, and every time he goes in the corner, it's hard for him, and he's battling, and he's learning different aspects and different concepts of the game, but he has no confidence. And, um, you know, you have to learn how to win. You have to learn how to score goals. You have to learn how to be that guy at the end of the game, the impact guy. Um, All of the other aspects that you're training your son at a peewee or bantam level of learning how to be better in the defensive zone or learning to shut a game down – those are trainable assets to us. If I got a guy that's got skills that can skate, I can teach him how to defend. Um, so I just, I think really being honest where your son's at, um, you know, if, if your son's playing just uh, in the A, you know, uh, playing in the Howe division or something like that, or Eisenman division, and he's, you know, getting himself two points a game, and he's having fun and he's got a good coach that skates a lot. Like, why are you looking to move? He's not tearing that level up yet. So I just think, uh, you know, really evaluating where they're at, what they're doing and, and taking, you know, cause you can sit and that's the other one. The other argument is, well, he's playing for a coach that this, and this guy doesn't let him play with this guy. And it, listen, if your son's as good as you think he is, he's going to separate himself. And if you're not seeing separation, then he's in the right place and in the right spot. Um, but then again, you know, there are people that stay back too long because, again, they're having that success and they're getting three or four goals and they love going to the rink. Well, you have to make sure you're, you're stepping up. Um, so that's where that guy's got to go and try to make a triple-A team. And um, that way you're in the middle of the pack again. And once you're in the middle of the pack, again, you're going to either work hard 
to uh, get back to the top of that, or um, you're going to fall back, and then you know you start figuring out what's the next step to maybe go backwards to go forward. So, I think a lot of it is you know people want the answers, but they know the answers, and they really don't do that that self evaluation. Well, that's interesting. And uh, when my son, before he came to you, he was playing up, and I remember now my advice to people. Uh, actually, Kyle Connor's dad came up to me when he was, his son was playing, when Kyle was playing up and he asked me what I thought I should do because he knew that I was coming to yours and uh, to your team and playing his own age group again. And I wish I would have put him in his own age group earlier too, not only for confidence, but also for him to play with kids that he's probably going to be playing with most of his career. And, you know, I, you know, it wasn't, and I don't think I was doing it because, you know, I was trying to brag that my son was playing. It was more because I was coaching and I kind of really enjoyed the coaching part of it. Right. But I did learn. And when I, you know, had him, uh, you know, try out for you and, and, and he, he played for you, uh, I, I said the same thing to uh, Kyle's da- dad at the time. And, and he ended up going back and playing, I think, with Joe Smaza maybe uh, on that. Yep. He started playing with that Bell Tire team. So, you're right. And he, he started to flourish and, you know, play well and, you know, get that confidence and become, you know, what he is today, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. Confidence is irreplaceable. Um, then, I mean, you have other sides of it too. Of, um, listen, you know, when we, when we were AAA uh, at Honey Bake for years and years, like um, we had unbelievable sponsors, right? So uh, for us, we were able to, every other team was getting two days of ice a week. We were getting three days of ice a week and uh, we were able to hit the weight room one extra time. We hit the gym one extra, I'm sorry, the, the rink one extra time and we played all the top teams. So um, again, you know, evaluating what type of coach you have, is this coach really truly in a development? Because at the youth age, that's all it's about is developing. Um, if they're just focused on winning, um, you can win. Um, but, you know, sometimes coaches cheat to win. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I, I can throw a system together that's just going to stymie the other team. But we have maybe uh, you know thirty percent puck possession throughout a game. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, right. uh, winning is a byproduct of hard work, and winning is a byproduct of doing things the right way. And I truly feel um, that's how we always used to win hockey games: is we outtrained the opponents, we outskilled the opponents. Our puck possession time was up in the 70 percent range. So you know, people can say, "Yeah, you can do that when you have the best players." Well, guess what? When you best build the best program, you get the best players. You know, so. Um, but from a parent standpoint that's sitting here listening to this, you've got to make sure you're putting yourself in a program, your son in a program with a great coach that's into skill development, that they have plenty of ice. Um, just having one hour sheets of ice two days a week is not going to get you to this level to play in the USHL. Um, so if that's the case and that's what you have, that's fine. You just have to go and supplement it. There's plenty of skill coaches out there that you can go and find somebody to work with after school on the off days. So um, you got to keep up with the Joneses a little bit in regards to the amount of ice you have. And then you have to also um, make sure that you, you're finding a team that's willing and wanting to go to the best tournaments with the best teams. Because, um, you know, from our side, I can tell you, you know, we put a lot of trust in, in the top organizations, you know. Um, yes, do we go and peek out at this one guy that someone's talking about that's playing over in, you know, a gross point, for instance. Um, I got to go watch one kid that's over there. Yeah, we'll do it. But 
it's so much easier for her to go watch a team um, that that's done the job, brought the best players together, and we can go and watch 15 players on, on an ice surface versus watching one individual. So um, finding the right coaches that are wanting to be, you know, be in the best tournaments, play the best teams, um, that's going to get you that exposure. But I just can't stress enough about making sure you, you're in a program that, that has a coach that wants to develop, that wants to have a lot of ice. And um, if they don't offer off-ice programs, again, it's something you have to supplement um, because you, you can't do less and expect more because uh, the better teams and the better organizations are doing more. Okay. Well, that, that sounds, uh, that sounds right. So what do you, uh, what do you think as far as uh, the tiers of scouting and uh, you know, what, what type of scouting levels are there? I know obviously there's a direct scouting group that's with your organization and then there's other scouts that go around that kind of do the legwork um, and, and give you the feedback on that. Is that, is that kind of how the pecking order goes and, and how does uh, video tie into that as well? Um, uh, you know, how, how do you get your exposure to, to kids uh, around, you know, the United States? Yep. So um, obviously here uh, with Muskegon Lumberjacks, we, um, uh, the way it works here, and then I'll talk to you a little bit about, you know, how it works all around. But so how it works here is we've got um, our president, Steve Lowe, and our general manager, Jim McGordy, are out in the rinks on a pretty regular basis. Um, they they run our draft. Um, they run, you know, all aspects of that. Uh, they've got regional scouts that are in each area. Um, generally, what majority of the teams will do in our league is their regional scouts are guys that are coaching um, in in the U16, U18 level because they're already there. Um, because scouting budgets are obviously uh, not what we wish or, or would hope that they are. Um, so the, a lot of those guys are, are getting paid minimal. So the fact that they're already there with the team coaching, um, they can kind of piggyback and, and uh, um, you know, kill two birds with one stone. So that's – so what our guys will do is our, our regional scouts will basically build a database – um, plug in their reports. Um, obviously, Jimmy and Steve um, are all watching as well. And then we get it to a point where, you know, we'll we'll identify, let's just say, we found our top 60 forwards. And then that's where we really start to get involved. Um, you know, Jimmy and Steve watch them more, um, along with our regional scouts. And then there comes a point where um, they'll call us, and um, they've already, you know, through our video guy, have already done the work of, busting down shifts and they'll just say, all right, I need you to go in and watch um, Lou Jaros and they'll give us two or three games of all of his shifts, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Um, it's easy to just pull out the highlights or pull out the negatives. So we, what they'll ask us to do is watch, you know, two or three games of all of just his shifts, make our notes. And then, um, you know, we kind of report back to Jimmy and Steve with what we saw. Uh, and then again, it just kind of, creates that evolution and then we start really evaluating um but at the end of the day in our draft room um jimmy and steve have the 100 percent go ahead um they'll ask for our opinions um because again we're the ones that have to coach the player but they're the ones that that have seen them um you know 10 12 times uh we we have limited viewings and um you know a lot of our viewings are via video and uh, just because we're playing every weekend and um, we're not able to get in the rink. So, so that part of it, um, like I said, is, is something that has evolved. Um, you know, a lot of staffs just, we would always 
um, almost go into drafts blind. Um, but we've evolved in regards to using video more um, because now footage is, is so readily available to us. Um, and everything, you know, all of our notes are interactive uh, amongst all of uh, our staff. So, again, technology really has changed uh, in regards to us being able to be here and be a little bit more involved in the process. Um, but again, you know, I would have to say that we are one of the teams that uh, in our league that I would say we do a better job at this than most. There's still some teams that, you know, they're sending a coach off of their bench to go watch games on the weekend and, and they'll have, you know, a small, very limited scouting staff. So um, it's hard um, We're you know, we're, we're nickel and diming it. Um, you know, hockey's very, very expensive to run in this league, and um, no one has you know the extra hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to spend on scouting staff sometimes. So, um, so from a player standpoint, you know, I will say those guys that are sending out emails, we read them. I, I read the emails. Um, I look at uh, some of the highlight stuff. And then uh, what we try to do is we try to get people that we have interest in into our, um, you know, futures camps, prospect camps. So then we can see that live. And then um, basically what, what a lot of that is, is there's, you know, anyone can lie to you and tell you that, you know, you, you can come to our camp and try to make our team. The answer is it's, it's minimal guys uh, do that. Uh, but what you do do is you come and we get to see you live. We get to make notes and, and then we respond back with uh, our scouting staff saying, hey, this is a guy I want to I want you guys to see more of. And let's see how he evolves um, after he goes and, and puts on 10 pounds of muscle. We think he's going to be a player. So I got gotcha. you. Yep. So how does that work? The camps and then actually making the team and uh, how they're billeted and all that. How does how does that whole process work? Um, yeah, so basically from, from our side, uh, the USHL obviously is the only tier one junior league in the United States. So anyone who makes a team in our, our, in our league, um, everything's paid for all the way from, you know, your skates to, to sticks, to billeting expenses, to all of our travel. Um, so, you know, guys that, that, you know, we only have 16 teams. So uh, guys that are lucky enough to make uh, make a team in our league, um, you know, from a hockey standpoint, they had a little bit of a home run for their parents, you know. So the guys stay with billet families here. Um, you know, again, um, we're at the rink pretty much all day. Um, and I'll give you a, a quick rundown of what our day looks like because, you know, as I spoke about earlier, some people are, don't know Um how much work really is being put in. So our guys check into the rink every morning at 9:45. We've got skill ice from 10 to 12. And then um, um, so guys will either go on the ice from let's say 10 to 11. And then from 11 to 12, they'll go and get their workout in or they flop it and work out first and come out and get their skills in. Uh, then they'll go and have their lunch um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, all individual video is available. So all every coach in our office has a board. Guys will come in, sign up, and do individual video with our coaching staff. Uh, then we go back on the ice, uh, 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock for team practice. And um, then we finish up the evening uh, with some type of video. Some days it's in, some days it's entries. Some days it's D zone coverage. Some days it's shooting off the rush. Some days you know uh, it's, we just pick different aspects, and or it could be just team video. So um, then the guys will you know obviously do their rollouts. They'll they'll do everything else, and, and they're usually out of the rink around five thirty to get home. Billet families will provide them with dinner each night, and um, they 
they're to be in bed by, we, we call it curfew 10 o'clock, um, lights out at 11. Um, that way they're not out playing video games and they're right back at it uh, the next morning uh, with the same routine. So our guys are roughly 9.45 to about 5.30, maybe 6 o'clock um, every day. And um, so then Thursdays is the day we kind of turn the page. We cut off individual video. Uh, we start basically our pre-scouts for the weekend. And then, you know, we even on Fridays, we have pregame skates uh, from 10 to 11-ish. And then uh, we'll do some power play penalty kill video prior to the Friday and Saturday game. So Sundays are generally an off day for the guys. And then uh, we're right back at it on, uh, on Mondays. So, um, wow. you know, you start talking about what it is these guys are doing here. Um, you know, that's a lot for you to supplement to try to keep up with it, you know. So, um, so that's kind of our routine here. And, and uh, but as far as camps and stuff like that, like we just finished up with our, our camps. Um, as soon as the season ends, there's a draft. And that's usually like May 6th, May 7th, phase one, phase two. Then, um, uh, right away, we had a prospect camp, and our prospect camp was young ones, 06, 07s, and, and uh, those are guys that um, really from our side, it, it's it's getting them here, getting them to see our facilities. Um, you know, we had nice talks with uh, the family and the players, kind of talking about our schedule and, and what it takes to try to get to this level. And then, you know, again, it's our first evaluation of guys. It's, all, it's a tough one, though, um, because they're so young. You know, some, somebody yeah. will, you know, grow four or five inches from <laughs> the time that we draft them. So it, it's an unfair evaluation, but again, it's an opportunity for them to get here, learn more about us, learn more about the program. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it's an opportunity for us as an organization um, to create some revenue. Um, so it, it's, it's a win-win all the way around from our organization. It's something we need to do to create some revenue, but then B, um, how many times you get to go, um, actually meet the head coach, be on the ice with the head coach and staff and um, um, build that relationship. So when you are being drafted by these guys in two years, you actually, actually shoot that guy's hand. So there's a lot of value to it. Um, then right away after that, we had a goalie camp, uh, our goalie camp. We had 25 guys here that um, came in and uh, again, it was just us evaluating draft eligible goalies. And then what we did is we invited, uh, there were eight guys from that camp that got invited through to our main camp. And main camp starts off with, um, you know, there was over 100, I think there was about 120 players that started off here. And uh, we just kind of kept narrowing it down over a four-day process. And 20, 26 guys, it was, um, joined us uh, with our draft picks and our returners uh, for our main camp. And, uh, we just roll right from there. So now we've got it down to, I think we've got 30, 34 guys and, and uh, we'll bring everybody into training camp, which begins September 6th. And, um, you know, our active roster next year will be 23, 25 players. And, and we're allowed to protect um, our affiliates up to 18 players. So it's uh, it's quite a process and, and uh, there's a lot of hours and a lot of work put in by the guys to not just get drafted, but to, a make the team or B uh, be protected by us. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's quite the process. Like you said, um, I was just going to get back to you now when you were saying that you do a video with the kids in regards to, you know, D zone entry and, or, or that, that area, do you do practice video uh, with your, uh, 
you know, with your power plays, penalty kills, or is that mostly game footage and how to improve it? And then you go out and work on it or do you do a mix of both? Both. Uh, what we do is uh, we've got um, in game, we use a system called XOs, which is in game tagging. Um, so we've got uh, a video guy that's up there tagging every sequence that I want tracked and that kicks right down to us on the bench. So, um, so we, we are one of the teams, I believe, again, I believe in technology. Uh, we're one of the teams, we have three iPads on the bench. So our guys are able to come back and watch their shift or their, um, great play or mistake uh, that just happened. Um, so we, we've spent a lot of money, um, making sure we have the, the, the tools and the systems for all the guys to use that. So, um, while we're tagging, we're able to come right down. Each coach has a, the computer in his office. Um, he can go and watch breakouts. He can watch four checks. He can, and we have the same exact thing in the locker room. So I'm able to walk into the locker room. Um, I will have clipped at that time. I should, I should say I've highlighted 10 different things. I want to show the guys I walk in. So we use, we use technology in game between periods, post game. Um, we also, um, in practice, we we video record. Um, you know, if I'm doing one-on-ones, like I'll generally tell my video coach who it is we're focusing on without the guys knowing. So that way, they're not putting on a show knowing that they're the guy. So um, so generally, we'll, what we'll do is we'll go into a practice with uh, let's call it three, four guys that we're highlighting. And and you know, if you're my guy today, every time you're on a one-on-one or a two-on-one, um, it's being recorded. But we always have the iPads going. Um, so the guys can watch anyone on the ice can watch their stuff, but there's one or two guys that we as a staff are mm-hmm. highlighting for the week. So we can kind of find some little details. And then what we do with that is follow it up with, um, he would be, the, he would have a meeting with myself and the video coach on Monday of the following week. You know, we talk about um, his footwork. We talk about his stick positioning just because we have so many scenarios, a from a game and then B from watching it in practice of me putting him in those, those situations. And then basically it goes from there to our skill coaches who know that, okay, Tom Gerald's has to work on um, deception in the corner and, and working on his edges. So we're able to take basically what we saw a in game video B in practice video. And now this is your focus for the week. So all of your, your skill drills are going to be focusing on that area uh, and aspect of your game. So it's very time consuming, but at the end of the day, very, very rewarding. Um, You know, that's our job. That's what we're here for is to develop guys and get them to the next level and make them the best that they can be. And uh, we've got unbelievable ownership um, that, allows us to spend the money to have all of these resources. Um, so, yeah, again, from our side, we we have GoPros going uh, for the goalies. Uh, we've got iPads going for the players. Um, you know, we, we have uh, XOs as our in-game system. Post-game, we use uh, a company called SportLogic and Instat. So we actually have two post-game reports that come back. One is provided by our league, which is SportsLogic. Instat is one that we purchase for ourselves. So we've got in-game data, post-game data, um, and the guys all get these reports. They get all their individual shifts. And, um, again, I'm a big believer in, in, um, in data. I'm a big believer in um, learning from the good and the bad and following and watching trends. And, and um, so we have every one of those resources available to our guys. And, and so 
uh, back to how we started this uh, conversation is I've done nothing but evolve in, in that regard of what you and I used to do uh, playing around in a shooting uh, machine. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I love it. I love how deep you go. And, and uh, you know, it's exciting for me to hear that. So what what is the direction or where are these kids looking to go typically? Is it always college or is it, uh, you know, other, uh, you know, the ECHL or what, what is the journey in your eyes on, you know, what are the different opportunities? Yeah, I mean, obviously at, at our level, all of these guys are, are moving here to, to continue to chase. You know, everyone wants to play pro hockey at the highest level that they can play. Um, you know, and it's, listen, to, to reach this point and to be at, you know, this pyramid of, of the hockey pinnacle, um, they should be proud of just being here. Uh, for a lot of the guys, like you said, 90, uh, 98% of our guys in our league go on to Division One um, college hockey. Uh, the ones that don't, um, yeah, our league has an unbelievable uh, record of moving guys on. So guys that are playing here are going to go play big-time Division One college hockey. And um, we do have the, the one or two that have decided they're going to go right to pro or, or have exhausted their, you know, like a guy that goes to the OHL and, and – um, can no longer go to college or a guy who played a little bit of pro overseas or signed, you know, different contracts. Like these guys can't go to college and they're looking to come and sign pro deals. And um, I just finished my third season here in Muskegon and we've had um, um, Alex Jakovinko. We've had Igor Afanasyov. We've had Igor Larionov. And then this year, Daniel Gushin, who have all signed pro deals um, right at the end of uh, our seasons. And, I'm sure I'm forgetting one more or two, um, but all the rest of our guys, like I said, everybody um, goes on and plays uh, Division One hockey. So uh, the goal is for these guys to, to play, like I said, at the highest level that they can go, and, and that's our job. Our job is uh, to get them prepared, get them ready for the good and the bad, and, and, and develop, 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 and teach them good life habits. Well, that's exciting. And uh, do you know uh, that intangible when you see it? I mean – I know some of the young young guys that you've coached in the past that are in the NHL and, and, and doing what they did. Did you see that back then, or was it something that was just continually to see if they can hang in there and continue to work hard, and, 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 and that's how it developed, or did you see it right away? Yeah, I mean, guys, guys will have um, aspects of their game where you're like, ooh, that, that translates to a pro level, right? And um, But – Every player has has deficiencies, and every player has areas and things they're missing. Right? Uh, you can go watch an East Coast game. the The ECHL has turned into phenomenal hockey. Um, like when we used to go watch East Coast hockey games years ago, it was to go watch a fight and um, and for the entertainment. Um, it's turned into unbelievable hockey, and that's the lowest level. You got NHL, AHL, East Coast. Um, and the East Coast, East Coast has phenomenal hockey players, but they're all, every player out there, the reason they're not in the NHL is A, opportunity, B, um, um, confidence, and then, or C, is uh, everyone has one aspect of their game that they're missing. Maybe you're not the greatest skater. Maybe you didn't have the vision. Maybe you need to put on 20 pounds of muscles. Everyone's missing something. So, again, that's... Um, that's what happens is, yes, do we get guys at, at the Honey Big Days where I was like, oh, this guy can play in the pros? The answer is yes. But do they continue to evolve and develop their game? Because 
just because you know you're scoring 80 goals as a Bantam um, at AAA level, you still could end up having to be a grinder in the NHL. Um, you know, look at all these guys. You have oh, to yeah. evolve and change your game, right? It's, it's so hard to make it. In each they were team, all 80 goal scorers back when they were young. <laughs> Everyone was 80 goal scorers. You're exactly right. And and um, so each team needs different pieces of the puzzle. And okay, I, there's my goal scorers. I've already got three of those. So do you want to be a grinder? Do you want to be a penalty kill guy that's going to eat pucks? You know, do you want to go out and, and uh, you know scrap it up when when we need be? You know, what what are you willing to be? And and, and those guys that evolve their game and change their game, um, those are the ones that continue on. So. I, listen, I, I would love to tell you that we all have that eye and anyone who's telling you that's lying. Um, I had Bobby Ryan, like Bobby Ryan, we knew was a phenomenal talent, but when Bobby played for us, Bobby was out of shape and a poor hockey skater. Um, so he had to, he had to work uh, to become stronger and he had to become a better skater. And he spent lots of time doing that. And he's still playing in the NHL. Um, Nathan Gerby, you know, I mean, Gerbs was, uh, the hardest working hockey player that I may have, uh, have ever coached. And, and, you know, he bounces around and up and down and um, he's a small guy, you know? So again, yeah. the team, you got to sit and say, how many small guys can I have? And if, all right, Gerby's my guy, he had to beat out whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 guys just to get that spot. Um, so everybody has to continue to evolve. Um, I wish it was that easy. Um, because, I mean, I will, like, a couple great examples of Alec Martinez, who we're sitting and yeah, watching. Right. Um, Alec played for me, and he was probably our fifth defenseman. You oh, know? And, and uh, here he is <laughs> having yeah. this unbelievable, uh, you know, unbelievable playing career. And um, so, I mean, you just look at, you know, where guys are at, and you don't know what they're going to become. And that's, you know, like, even at our level right now, I'm dealing with 16 to 20-year-olds. And that's the calls we get from the NHL when they're ready to draft our guys is how much more is there to get? What can he become? Can he be, can he be a pro? And because it's easy to do it right now, but what are you going to be in three years, five years when you're coming out of school? And, um, you know, that's always the, the magic question. And, and that's why it's so hard when it comes to these NHL drafts is, what is this guy going to be in five more years? Is, you know, is there room for his development? Um, is he, is he a workaholic? Cause that's what it's going to take to, to yeah, get there. Yeah. So. Well, that's great. And uh, that's very valuable information and uh, appreciate you sharing all that. That's uh, mm -hmm. invaluable. So um, also lastly, and I don't want to get it too much because I know it's been a crazy time, but what about the pandemic? How in the world, how did how did that go? How did you handle all that craziness? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Listen, I'm just like everybody who's probably listening to this. Um, I had to step snap myself out of feeling sorry for myself. Right? Uh, we all had that one point slap ourselves in the face and say, "All right, enough whining about it." This is a great opportunity for us all to get better. Um, so those that put themselves in a hole and sat there and 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 watched movie after movie after movie after movie are probably worse off now than when they went into the pandemic. And um, um, for myself, selfishly, I can tell you I'm a better person and a better coach because of the pandemic because I was able to uh, – I had all these hours that became available to me, and, and um, I joined every clinic that exists. I was on uh, Zoom calls with coaches across the country. Um, like there became these groups that everybody was just getting together and talking hockey. And, um, you know, I can tell you that 
you know, we had the NHL Coaches Association Zoom calls all last week. That's what I was doing. And this morning, the ones that I missed, I'm sitting watching. I did a, uh, a Zoom call this morning about um, um, basically how to deal with uh, the new team. And um, so I, I, I think it was an opportunity for all of us to move forward and be better than, than we were coming into it. Um, and it was frustrating. I'll tell you, um, our season to start off last year was – a, were we playing? Were we not playing? Um, we had moved the guys in. We had to move the guys out. And then we had to deal with um, COVID. Like when we first got everybody here, I would say we got hit hard right off the bat, myself included. So we got guys, we got we were renting COVID houses and all these different things just to keep guys safe and away and out of their billet families. And it was frustrating and it was a lot of work. Um, but anybody – who went through it is better for it. And uh, that's, that's truly how I feel about it. I, I think what, you know, really what stinks is I, you know, I will say like from our ownership standpoint, you know, they, we got hit hard. We, we lost a lot of money last year because we were one of the teams that were playing that could have zero fans. Michigan had different rules. So right. I feel for owners, I feel for people that, you know, uh, financially took that hit. But like I said, um, you know, anyone who went through it or had somebody who was supporting them financially to do that, which, again, I was lucky enough to be part of a group that decided to move forward. And um, I can tell you that it benefited me, my team, my staff. Um, we got to spend a lot of time just with us without outside distractions. And um, we're a better organization, a better team, and, and better people for what we, we went through. Um, and, uh, again, you know, I, I don't want to downplay um, the significance of, of what we all just experienced and, and what has become part of our life going forward. It's changed. And um, I don't necessarily, I'm one, that's a whole nother argument we can call and talk if it's for the better or not. I, I really am concerned about, um, you know, the, the amount of time kids have missed school. I'm, I'm concerned about the social socialization of um, what people have done for the last two years of just dealing with zoom instead of showing up and shaking somebody's hand and having business meetings, you know? So I think yeah. there's, there's things that we have to overcome, but that's a whole nother conversation. But I can tell you that personally and for our organization, um, we made the best of, of a very bad situation. Well, and I did want to say too, uh, as far as that and, and evolving, I know that I've, one of the reasons I want to do, uh, podcasts and what's important to me is this journey that you're telling me, you know, uh, I've done other podcasts when some high school, uh, with Bob Hall would see how that, that road is. And my son with the training side of it and you, uh, you know, extending yourself and helping uh, I've evolved as well. And I do, I, I think I, you, you see things from a different light and, uh, things become, uh, you know, you either walk away from it or you go deeper. And I think I've gone deeper and it's, I'm glad to hear that you've done the same thing. And, uh, you know, giving great advice and, uh, you know, I really appreciate you know, our years together and you've helped me evolve in a lot of my thinking and my visions, uh, you know, through the video part of it, obviously you've known what I've done for a long time and we've had a lot of heavy discussions about different ways of seeing the game and, you know, and I've learned even more again right now, you know, talking uh, deeper on yeah. what you're doing now, uh, you know, more concurrent stuff, you know. I know time is probably uh, uh, running out on us here, but I, I will just say, like, you know, because 
you have people of listen, I, I know when you and I speak, like obviously I'm dealing with one level of player. And then there's a lot of times you getting calls from some, somebody who's just getting into hockey that just doesn't know a lot of these things. And, and um, you know, so we're talking to a broad audience here, but I, I just have to say like, you know, one thing that we spoke about on the phone is, is you were talking about my journey and how I got here. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm probably like the, I consider myself one of the luckiest men alive to, to be actually following my dream of coaching at this level. And um, I think it's important that people understand that, you know, there was nothing that was, uh, that was easy about this. And there's nothing that is easy about this. This is more work than I ever imagined it. I thought it was going to be, okay, now you're going to coach the best. And now all of a sudden I'm back to, I'm dealing with scheduling buses to meals and, I'm, I'm a father for 25 kids each night that I have to leave my phone on every night to, you know, in case somebody gets in trouble or someone misses a curfew, you know, so it's more work than I ever imagined, but gosh, what I, 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 it's the best job I've ever had in my life. And, and it's so much fun to be involved with the highest level of hockey player that's out there. But how I got this job was exactly what I want to kind of tell everybody is to take the opportunity. Um, I took, I ended up, when I decided I wanted to get into this level, I took a video coach job and I was driving back and forth from Detroit. Again, I was lucky enough to, to have money to be able to do something for basically nothing. Um, I was, it was costing me money to come out and do it, but it gave me an opportunity to get my foot in the door. And um, here I sit today as, you know, my third year as a head coach. And I look back on that and you know, I, I watch so many people talk about wanting to do this or wanting to do that, and they're always looking for the easy way. And that, that would be the one bit of advice I would tell everybody, the players, uh, to all of you, just do it. Like, don't worry about the dollars. I, I wish and I hope that you could at least someday say, hey, I gave it my all. Don't worry about the dollars. Take the job. Go prove yourself because the dollars will take care of themselves later. Um, whether that means you're started off as a volunteer or whether that means you start off taking the job for 20000 less than you thought you would. Again, um, um, you know, I hope everybody is chasing their journeys and chasing their reaching their goals. But we all know that half of the fun and, and half of the story is not even achieving your goal. And then you, you can speak of that. Your son didn't play pro hockey. But the journey there is full of memories that you would never replace. I had some of the best years of my life coaching my son and going through it with him. Um, and I wouldn't do it over again. So I, I just highly encourage everybody to, to dive fully into it, um, to, to play at the highest level you can possibly play at and, and enjoy it. Not stop worrying about chasing and stop worrying about not making it and stop worrying about, you know, who did what or why you got cut from here and just whatever level it is, just have some fun with it. Well, and I'm, I'm very proud as well. Uh, like I said, I think we share a lot of the same thoughts and how, how we have our passions. And I think I've, you know, reached out to my son through the years and been tough on him and, uh, you know, helped him, you know, in many ways and in, in playing with people like yourself and listening to some of the things I say he's now still doing hockey. You know I mean? He's following his dreams. He's, uh, you know, he has a training facility. He's training kids similar to what we're doing and our passion. And he just uh, got another facility. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he's training. Uh, he has another facility uh, that he's opening here in August. And 
continues to do the hockey and, and it's a big dream of his and uh, you know, he's successful and, and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, having the guidance and the structure and, and seeing the passion of, you know, people that are like you and like myself and uh, somehow they find their way and uh, it's all good stuff. And, and, and again, Mike, I really appreciate you uh, meeting with me today and uh, sharing that, that journey and uh, gave a lot of great uh, more things for me to think about and how to, you know, be better as well. So no, thanks for having me guys. And I, this is a great thing you're doing, sharing this with uh, uh, such a broad audience of of people trying to learn and and better their game. So if there's ever any time I can help you, um, you know, feel free to reach out. Well, I appreciate that and say hi to the family and thanks so much. All right. Thank you.